Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Ellen Pogamiller with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of OEA. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday. And last week we were back from summer break, and this week we are back with our favorite guest, oh, Ivy, in, in her permanent chair. In her permanent yes, chair, there. Thank you. <laughs> and because you see that one over there in the corner, that we move it over here when you're not here. Oh, so good. this is your oh, permanent good. This chair. This is mine. So, I like it. Yeah, we do that. Well, and you know, kind of, we bring you on, Ivy, for legislative updates, and we take the summer off because we think maybe not much is going on. <laughs> and this week proved to us that there's still a lot going on as in education and as it applies to government elections, all the things. So I guess let's start off with just elections, what kind of what happened. Right. Uh, in my recent memory, I can't remember a busier uh, summer for elections with with such important runoff races yeah, with the primary then the runoff right and... right you know usually once the primary is over we get to kind of take a break take a breath have a summer and mm -hmm. and that didn't really happen this year and so uh, Tuesday's Tuesday was our I, I've lost track of time well it was Tuesday <laughs> it feels like two weeks have happened since then but yes. it was just Tuesday I had to remind yeah. myself this morning that was just this week, week. yeah. Uh, with uh, with the runoff on Tuesday and the state board meeting on Thursday, it felt like several weeks happened this week. It was heavy. Yeah, uh, feels it feels icky, like we're under attack, <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh, that's a really terrible mm -hmm. feeling. Yeah. yeah, and I think elections kind of started that off for for us. You know, for, for the, sure for the races, the biggest race I think majority that we were watching for public school was the runoff between. Um, April Grace and Ryan Walters. Right, right. So how did that uh, turn out? It didn't. It didn't right. go well. Okay, didn't go well, Catherine. Okay. Uh, Newsflash: <laughs> uh, We have more work to do. I absolutely. Um, it got ugly. Lots of lies. Yeah. Lots of attacks, and I really do believe that <clears throat> the governor's executive order. I may be jumping into your next topic. I don't know. The governor's executive order last Friday, leading into the runoff election on yeah. Tuesday to try to paint OEA in a really, really negative yeah. light. Uh, Ryan Walters uh, claiming that the Democratic Party um, endorsed April Grace also lies. Uh, newsflash, Democrats endorse other Democrats. Democrats. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's not how that works. Yeah. But it really, really feels like it doesn't matter if it's true or not. If we say it loud enough, if we say it enough times, uh, people are starting to believe it. And so... I really do think the the kind of the the lies of the lead up to the election uh, won the day and mm -hmm. and horrible horrible voter turnout. Oh, mm -hmm. that was the most disappointing. And I thought it might be even we might have more voter turnout because mm -hmm. it was you know back in school, not on vacationy kind right. of time of year, and and that was disappointing. Some sometimes I almost think. Uh, because we are back in school, August is better than June. Yeah. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Yeah. But um, that is not the case. Yeah. Well, it was pretty dismal turnout on in both June and, and August. So it's it's not like it was a contest of yeah. good numbers. But but I think um, and knowing that there was an there was a primary runoff for 
everyone, right. whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, Correct. you had somebody on the ballot to go vote for. And I had a few family yeah. members that, that are registered Democrats that, you know, I just start pulling sample ballots because I don't, you know, here's where I live. Tell me why well, yeah. don't, I don't know that by memory. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll be like, what's your birth date again? You know, pull up their sample ballot. Oh, it's just one thing. Is it even worth me going? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I do yeah. think it is, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. I think there is a little bit of that disconnect. If it's not a presidential, if it's not a governor, mm-hmm. if it's not a big, what, what people perceive as big, um, and I think that hurt us. I think we were hopeful here at OEA that between the governor's executive order really attacking um, professional associations, um, the state board action mm-hmm. several weeks ago, uh, attacking our school districts for what right. turned out to be nothing. nothing. Yeah. And then, you know, just how important having a pro-public ed versus a not pro-public ed candidate on the ballot, we were really, really hopeful that that would, the result would be higher turnout for educators, if no one else. And that's just not what happened. And that's, that's probably the, the most disappointing to Mm -hmm. me is the, the lack of engagement. Yeah. Well, take us back to last Friday. So what was Stitt's executive order? So his executive order urged the State Board of Education to uh, make sure unions were opt-in, not opt-out. Make sure teachers' First Amendment rights were not being violated. And what we know is that already happens. Mm -hmm. There is statute in the law er, that says... It must be opt-in. No one is forced to be a member of any union or professional association, whatever we're going to call it. In Oklahoma, we are professional associations. Um, So this applies to us, to uh, the other two professional education associations in the state. Administrators Association? Correct. Any. Career Tech Association. There are many education associations. And, um, you know, even... Even superintendents who I don't think are big fans of ours were on uh, Facebook and social media saying, this is not a thing. No one in my district. I've worked in six districts. I've never, ever been forced to be a member of an association. You know, what what have you? And so um, that, you know, we we felt the need to defend ourselves Mm -hmm. yet again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you'll remember, there was a, a bill the last two, two uh, years, legislative yeah. sessions that that was trying to do the same thing. And and our argument was this is already a thing. The First Amendment actually gives us a right to be members of an association, to assemble, to work together, to stand together. Um, and in the state of Oklahoma, even long before we became a right to work state, what was that in the eighties? Uh, Two thousand and one. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm September, I'm right on this. Two thousand and one, <laughs> to be exact. Got it. Yeah. But 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 as long as OEA has been in existence, in existence, we have never been a mandatory association. We mm-hmm. have always been an opt-in association from. Christmas Day in 1889. 11 teachers got together. 11 teachers met and OEA was created. We've never been an opt-out association. We have always been a voluntary association. And so last Friday when the governor chose, I mean, such an overreach of executive power, in my opinion, you're using something called an emergency order, right? 
to say something like when, when that the pandemic happened exists. or something like that. Right. Like, right. So, um, you know, disheartening, discouraging, mm-hmm. frustrating, all the, all the descriptors. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then, uh, Ryan Walters as the anti-public ed candidate, mm-hmm. in my personal opinion, uh, jumped on that. Oh, I commend Governor yeah. Stitt for doing this. We have to protect our teachers. There is like, nobody in that office that protecting their payroll deducting that amount. What? That for years they've been taking. It's like, insulting. It's it insulting, to, insulting to say that professionals, educated professionals, teaching our children, doing such important work, have no idea how their paycheck is being yeah. spent is incredibly insulting. Yeah. They know exactly how they're spending their paycheck, yeah. and they're choosing to do so. And you're trying to take that right away. Yeah, it, it was so. It was disheartening to hear that, to see that, that, and it was a blatant attack. Very much. Attack on our, our profession, our organization, and one can't help to think that it is a means to lessen our voice and For our sure. advocacy. Absolutely. Which is frustrating. And what was interesting is to see how people were like, no, mm-hmm. this is not happening. It was encouraging to see uh, news media and, yeah. like I said, superintendents, school leaders yeah. jump out and say, uh, you know, just call it out for what it was, mm-hmm. false. Yeah. And and uh, that's nice because usually it's just us calling it out for yeah. that. And it, you know, that's, that's exhausting. And I think that's the goal. Mm-hmm. I think they want us to be tired and worried about other things. You know, going back to the elections, it, it, I think people were really looking forward to the possibility of having two pro, pro public education candidates to choose from. Absolutely. They, it was a, a win-win. And as we always say, you can't have nice things here in Oklahoma, but, and I think that's, that was the hope. And I think that's what people were dis, uh, They were disappointed that now we've got to continue. They're not disappointed that, but now we have to continue. We cannot wait. I think we're at 74 days until general election. Right, Catherine is very good for my countdown. Yeah. I just have to yeah. I just have to ask for that every few days. Sometimes it's several times in the same day because I feel like several have passed. Yeah, yeah. I think um I think the idea that that two positive people being on the yeah. ballot, whether whether they're Republican or Democrat, would have been such a nice change. Mm-hmm. And you could really dig into what does this candidate offer versus what does this candidate offer instead of the actual existence of public education yeah. as we know it being at risk. And that's where I feel like we are. Yeah. So for the State Board of Education meeting on Thursday, um, it was a big meeting. You it know? was yesterday. It, that was just yeah, yesterday. Know, that feels <laughs> it feels like last week too. Yeah. yeah. No. yeah. So um, again, some of the major issues that sure. were brought up. Uh, if you'll kind of rewind a month, uh, the state board took some really aggressive action against both Tulsa Public Schools and Mustang Public Schools last month and downgraded their accreditation status, which is a really scary step. We really haven't seen that except for districts that have been wildly inappropriate, mm-hmm. misusing funds. Misfeasance, or, malfeasance. Right, yeah. right. We've only ever seen yeah. that when it's been over the top yep. and months and months and months yeah. and months and not fixing it. What we saw was um, what turned out to be after the meeting, even State Department staff saying uh, House Bill 1775 not being violated. It actually was not violated in either case. Not our words, 
not the two districts' words, but State Department staff, attorneys, uh, people that, that a committee has been formed to do nothing but investigate mm-hmm. that was not actually violated. So yesterday, both districts came back, uh, were put back on the agenda at their request uh, to be reconsidered. And really, you know, one of the key components, and I think I understand this so much more being at OEA, but something we advocate for our educators is this opportunity for due process. The opportunity. Yes, that's all to, they wanted. That's yeah. all they wanted. There Let's were, provide a case. Right for what happened in our community at our local school and the work we did to handle it. Right. Um, For you nerds that know the Open Meetings Act really well, Mm -hmm. I I truly don't know all of the the I know they have to post an agenda. Right. (laughs) Part of the the Open Meetings Act requirement, though, is if you're going to take action against a district, it has to be posted and you need to be notified. I mean, that's part of it. And so a couple of lawyers in the board meeting yesterday mm-hmm. that spoke an open comment even said that since they weren't notified and given the opportunity to come in and defend themselves in the case of Mustang, it was a, an issue that had happened last January yeah. and the district self-reported mm-hmm. that out of 16, I don't know, 1600 classrooms. I can't yeah. remember. They gave a all bazillion. the numbers yesterday. Yeah. One lesson in one classroom one activity, right. really, kind of right. an activity. One activity yeah. in one classroom on one day, a parent complained. It was dealt with swiftly. Mm-hmm. Mustang self-reported it. They fixed it. They went to their board. They notified the board of it. The community was notified. All of the steps, exactly how we would want something to go when a parent has a concern. Um, the teacher was... I'll say dealt with. That sounds aggressive. Uh, so, aggressive. Well, it's a personnel issue. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But 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 those with were an dealt opportunity with. to learn. Yeah. You exactly. know, and, and they yeah. discuss that too. Like I just keep coming back as a parent. You know, the like if my kid makes a mistake, right. and I'm yeah. not even saying or misunderstands, you know, a rule that we have that you know we need to reestablish boundaries better. Whatever it was, we have an opportunity to discuss that and come yeah. up with a solution right. that is as someone said in comments, not to the extreme of the potential of losing your credentials as an educator. Right, yeah. Your job or your ability to then go work in education in another district, right? Or another state. Right. So so they self-reported. They did all the things and they self-reported and they were punished very, very harshly. Uh And so the request was, please take another look. Yeah. And so it was put on the agenda by the department and, 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 and even new information came to light about Tulsa and because I remember the board meeting where they downgraded Tulsa and they felt like the, the audio was different than the slideshow. And then they were able to say, no, it wasn't. It was actually identical, identical to it. So it in fact was not violated. Yeah. Right. So both districts last month were downgraded. Yeah. This month, both districts were, we thought, up for consideration. What it seemed yeah. like to me is they weren't actually up for consideration. I think the department was very willing. I do not believe more than one board member was actually willing. I mean, Ellen, you and I are part of the state board meetings a lot and are are watching and observing those. I can't remember a time that a, a district that has been 
put on probation or with warning or whatever it is, they have the right to always come and present their side of that. And to know that, I think it was what was interesting yesterday, they were part of a lit, a list of like 300 pages because it was, they approved all the accreditations at that board meeting last month. And so any that had deficiencies or warnings, they, it was like in a huge packet. And they pulled out two. Two. Well, they pulled out one and then they realized, well, there's another one. So we better do something to them too. But the hard thing is where, because the law and the rules are so vague, I think yesterday was a perfect example how it highlights that there's no due process. There's lack of information on Open Meetings Act, right? And what if we deal with something internally as a district, and I know the rules say that you have to send that on, in which Mustang did, they self-reported it, but where's... Where's the guardrails? Mm-hmm. And and I, th- I think it did bring to light there aren't really any guardrails in either the law or the rules, rules. that came after yeah. the law. If you'll remember, the rules that normally go through a process really internally within the department, um, a time for open comment, public yeah. comment, I'm sorry, yeah. and then the, the, the board basically approving those, the board brought their own on this one. Yes. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. they, uh, there were lots of outside sources mm-hmm. that I'll say meddled. Yep. I, I yep. mean, overstepped mm-hmm. if you will. And, and so then that's problematic because the professionals that normally do this and know what they're do- doing, uh, that, that process broke down because people got in into it that don't normally do it and frankly don't know what they're doing. And there are problems as a result of that. And, and so, um, there was no discussion. There was tons of public comment and passion, public comment, the mayor, positive public, comment. A, a, a minister at a local church, actually a church I was a member of for about 20 years, oh. a wonderful man, parent who has nothing but love for the teachers and the, and the folks that are teaching kids in that district. What's funny to me is he had been a Tulsa public school parent. Yeah. And and what are the odds? The two the two districts on the on the agenda. He his children had attended both of those schools, um, administrators from those schools, parents from those schools, uh, begging the board to reconsider. And I believe it did not seem like there was any intent to reconsider. And so um, I find the process frustrating. I find it um, exclusionary. Is that a word? Mm-hmm. Uh, I I. It just doesn't seem collaborative or open or... I feel like some of the districts, some of the school districts, I'll just put it that way, sometimes get a more favorable um, when they're brought before the board and they're looking at their accreditation, they might get a more favorable decision. And instead of uh, the board not taking the recommendation of the State Department, they'll even make it lesser. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen that. I know... Uh, Ellen, you and Vice President Elledge were there yesterday, mm-hmm. and I was watching, you know, via live stream. But it, it's so frustrating. Yes, I think yesterday another thing that was brought up that we talked about early on, maybe last month when that happened. That, but I hadn't heard the discussion and since then, and so it kind of brought it to light for me. Is <clears throat> there's some contradictory laws? There's a law that requires us to teach. Things like implicit bias, bias. Yeah. right? Not yeah. racially, 
just bias. Just we all have different lived experiences. Ellen, you and I are the same color and the same gender. We grew up in a different state, Mm -hmm. but we did not grow up exactly the same. Right. And that's okay. And it's okay for us to think about that, to, to look internally and think, oh, while I'm teaching these children, I need to keep these things in mind. Mm -hmm. Not not impress upon them my issues. We don't. We're not looking yeah. for that. Yeah. We're just saying it's okay to 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 just think about it. And so uh, the Tulsa school board president brought that up. She said we've been working and training with our board because it's a law. Yeah. We've been working and training with our with our staff because it's a law. And then this happens. And then did we cross the line or not? Turns out we didn't. And yet we're still punished. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's not just the vagueness of 1775 and the rules around it. It's the contradictory nature yeah. of several of those laws. And so um, I think what it I think what it brought to light was how difficult the job of educators in Oklahoma is yeah. right now and the fear around it and the stress around it um, and, and so many factors, the shortage um, coming out of a pandemic. Um, I know when we don't want to talk about it anymore, but the learning loss, we really are trying to catch up from, from that pandemic, the, the, the mental stress that, that, that kids have brought back with them from dealing with lots of things surrounding the pandemic, losing family members, kind of being isolated for a while, reintroducing all of those social skills that are so important. So there's just so many things that we're dealing with right now. And we feel like we have a microscope on us. And, and mm-hmm. what if we do one misstep? Yeah. There has always been grace of a misstep before, and there's not now. Mm-hmm. And so that's very scary. You know, mm-hmm. what I'm what I'm hearing and seeing from teachers, whether they're I hear it through my ears or see it on social media, it is not I'm worried about, and they are worried about losing my certification. They're worried about getting their district in trouble. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about for the good of the whole, they're, they're, yes, they're, I'm terrified for my certification and that it would be revoked or something. But to know, I don't want to do this to get my district that I truly love, truly believe in, get them in trouble and cause them. I mean, they talked about in Mustang, if they would be non-accredited, seniors wouldn't, couldn't graduate. I mean, they wouldn't come from an accredited high school or district. And so- there's really, truly hard implications here. Yeah, and I think so many unknowns around that. And I think we could all go read the law and see what a warning on an accreditation status would be. <clears throat> but I think the concern around what the decisions this board is making is it really doesn't matter what the law says. Yeah. They can go over and above that. They can punish more than the law calls for. They can... Uh, I, I or they could do bring less. down a bigger hammer than necessary. So even if you, I, I saw a, I saw a literal eye roll yesterday when when there were concerns brought up uh, by a board member, uh, when there are concerns brought up about graduation yeah. and certification and all of those things. Uh, I think, oh, your uh, Governor Stitt says I think they're making a bigger deal out of this. They're blowing it out of proportion. They're whatever. But if they're willing to do this when the law wasn't violated, what else would they be willing mm-hmm. to do? And so I think that is a valid concern. Yeah. They can do less because they've done that. 
but that's not what's happening. I know. Mm-hmm. So and I think that's where people feel very frustrated. They are and and, and a bit helpless. Yeah. And that's a terrible feeling. Yeah. I, I find myself yep. having to really fight that feeling uh, the last yeah. couple of weeks. I will say when, when after, and if you were unable, you were teaching because that's where mm-hmm. most of you are, and you were unable to see public comment, you can go back and watch it on Facebook and mm-hmm. just the, the first the State Department of State, Education yep. mm-hmm. Facebook Facebook the first 30 minutes it's worth your time for those who are trying to struggle with the impact this is having on schools that they care about but um the other interesting piece is you know they brought it up for a vote so Carlisha Bradley who seemed to be in support of the discussion along with Superintendent Hoffmeister brought it up for a vote and then the vote was again voted down they're not going to discuss it all and i felt like the room there was like just an audible gasp mm-hmm. you know so i watched it on live stream like you did Catherine, yeah. and i wasn't in the room uh, i was in and out of meetings but i was watching that part and i didn't hear that and so ellen having been in the yeah. room shared that with me later <clears throat> and that's heart-wrenching yeah uh to ellen i would you share who else was in the room? Yeah, I was going to yeah. say. I, I mean, it was a that. really, I mean, if you've never been in, it's a really funny. It's a small little room. It is a tiny, tiny room. So room. you have this expectation you're going to walk in with like 60 people and you have to actually get there early and reserve chairs, like you know, 45. like super early. <laughs> so, you know, we get there early, reserve the chairs, and then we're looking around and typically in the room are just those like us who are sharing with their members the information, um, maybe a handful of other people, but this was a collaboration of administrators from across districts who showed up, who were not impacted by this law, but showed up in solidarity to say, we are supporting our districts who are going through this right now. And we know that this could happen to us. And so that audible gasp were from majority individuals representing school districts who I think just thought what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. And so I think coming off of the governor's executive order and the election results and the decision the board made, what I tried to take home with me last night was Ellen's um, sharing of that. Like there are people standing together that don't, maybe, I'm not saying they don't normally stand together, but we don't normally see it. How about that? Yeah. And they, and their exact words to us afterwards as we're getting up, you know, in OEA and administrators, we work together, but we also we're sometimes- We're part of a coalition together. We, yeah, yeah. But we sometimes also have a differing opinion of how to improve things in mm-hmm. the school district. And when a superintendent turns to you and said, this has to change, we have to do something different. Mm-hmm. And you get up and you know- Something has changed within that room yeah. and we have to push back. Yes. Yeah. And and I say I say the solidarity of those superintendents standing with each other. Um, I worked a Mustang for 15 years and Charles Bradley is one of my very favorite people I've ever worked for. I have a an enormous amount of respect for him as a superintendent. His wife is a building level principal. Um, his boys, one boy is still there, one's at OSU. They've went through that school. They have dedicated their lives to that yeah. district. And so, you know, I'm, I, I can't help but still have Mustang, you know, in my heart. My kids went there. I taught there. All of those things. Uh, the other positive thing I tried to go home with yesterday was all of the positive public comment. Yeah. Last month's public comment were was hateful. Uh, all of the horrible things Tulsa Public Schools does. 
instead of all the positive things Tulsa Public Schools does. And so yesterday, just the, um, I don't know, the love, the the acknowledgement, the recognition of what our educators do every day um, in these circumstances, and they still do it because they love children and they believe in them. I mean, just all the things. Mm -hmm. We've said it all. School is our community. Yes. School is our community. So one more thing that was on the agenda, and it was part of the public comments also, besides the two school districts, was the governor's executive order. So what, kind of take us through what happened there. So, yeah. Yeah. So uh, the governor's executive order uh, said to the state department needed to make sure we're following the law. Mm-hmm. And well, ur- urges it, them. Ur- ur- urges them. So not a mandate necessarily, but an urge. I don't know. I, it's hard to define. Yeah. Yeah. I keep my I comments to myself. I urge myself to get up every I have some urges <laughs> about the governor's executive order. No. Um, so not really a mandate to do anything. And in our conversations with the State Department staff, you know, I talk to uh, the government relations uh, liaison for the State Department on a regular basis because we deal with legislation and intent and rules and what is that going to actually look like in real life and all of those things. So I talked to her over the last couple of weeks and she said, to be honest, it's already followed. We don't mm-hmm. know what they're going to really uh, need to do. So we're not concerned. But So then it ends up on the agenda yesterday as a discussion item. So mm-hmm. I have yet more conversations. And so we talk about what I heard Joy offer to the board member that brought it up yesterday is, so if every teacher got an email, would that fulfill what you think needs to happen? Um, because schools are already doing this. We're already doing this. And he's like, I don't know. We should talk about it. So he brings it up very offhandedly, in my opinion, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying really not to uh, color it. I, uh, my perception of of him was not worried about it, but since the governor did it, we should talk about it. I guess we should make a motion to do a rule or something. It was kind of like that. I mean, I'm not, it's not verbatim, obviously, but he didn't seem like he had a, a vision of what needed to happen from the governor. And so the so the State Department and the board have separate attorneys. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But they do. And so even the board's attorney said, well, it's a discussion item. It can't be an action item, but we kind of just need to know what you want to happen. And he's like, well, I mean, I just want to like, just like look into it. And, you know, I've been busy, so I haven't, but I will for next time. So, so the answer is we have no idea what will actually happen, but... <clears throat> I know I saw, I heard Joy say, would us sending a letter? And he said, but would that happen every year? If you want it to. So that was kind of the discussion. I have no idea what will happen. So I'm going to ask a technical question because it just popped in my head. And, you know, I just put you guys on pins and needles when I do this. Typically, we have laws that are passed that tell or don't tell sometimes the state department to promulgate the rules. Correct. How, so here's this big overarching law and here the rules are going to say, this is how you're going to implement the law. Have you ever known of a time that they implemented rules without having a law? Probably. I'm going to, I I could, I'm going to say it wouldn't shock me yeah. if there are just things that have come up. Over oh, that they need a rule for. Yeah. 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 So, so I don't think that's as weird as the governor doing an executive order, order no different than a law that has existed for since yeah. the 80s. An executive order be- for a law that couldn't get passed 
I mean, a bill that they were trying to pass, right? Yes. So he did an executive because we couldn't get it through the legislature. So he does an executive order. But I think the bigger story there is it's already a law. Oh, yes. I know. It's, I know. So the law wasn't necessary. The bill yeah. wasn't necessary. Uh, an attorney came to speak in public comment saying the First Amendment actually says you may assemble. It's yeah. giving the right to assemble rather than what the governor is saying is your right is to not have to. And Janice doesn't apply to Oklahoma. No. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no. So um, all of that to say, I would never, ever, ever, but especially now, guess what the state board will do <laughs> next month uh, based on this executive order. I, it makes um, it fun for you guys when you go. Mm, uh, maybe not. <laughs> I see, I, that's not the word. I mm -hmm. It keeps you um, it's, we are on the edge of your seats. Always. And yes. I mean, literally, we, we kind of wait. They're, they're usually on a Thursday every month. It's usually we get the agenda on Wednesday morning mm -hmm. and we're like looking what's on the agenda, what's going to happen. And so it's gotten a little bit more dicier these days. More dicier. That's a word. <laughs> more dicier. I mean, it's That is a Catherine phrase. More <laughs> dicier. Well, Ivy, I'm sorry it was such a downer sort of conversation but i do think it's important for us just to remain vigilant this yes. is like the time to engage yes. and stay on top of it yeah. and as if this hasn't been long enough i would like to leave anyone listening with just begging you uh to uh make it your mission between now and november to spread the word of we we have got to have more people vote Yes. I don't think for one second that the majority of Oklahomans believe Ryan Walters was the most informed candidate, was the most qualified candidate, and is what's best for our public schools. I do not believe that. What I believe is we've got people dealing with a lot of stuff and uh, just didn't get out to vote. Yep. And we have got to have better voter turnout yeah. if, if if we want the actual voice and the feeling of Oklahoma to 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 come out. So. This is a time to rejuvenate, re-energize, refocus. Yeah, and let's get the job done. Right, and and we realize you're doing your jobs every day. You're doing the work of of this association every day. Yeah. You're teaching the kids of Oklahoma every single day, and and I think this this election is as important to you as it is to anybody in this state. Is that if we want public education in Oklahoma to to have a I don't know integrity is that too much? Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. Um, the, this this election we, we've we've got to we've got to be louder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've got to be louder about about what's important for our kids. Awesome. Well, thank you. So we are excited to be joined by our next guest, Andy Moore, who's the CEO of Let's Fix This. Welcome, Andy. Hey, thanks for having me. We're excited to have Andy, you. Andy, you have that podcast voice. Well, you know, I think, I know at least <laughs> Ellen has been on our podcast and we've done uh, a little over 200 episodes now. It's been almost wow, weekly you're like for four double years. Us. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. It's fun. So It is fun. Well, so tell us a little bit about kind of one of the goals of Let's Fix This is voter engagement. And so kind of why did y'all make that one of your priorities and how, what does it look like here in Oklahoma? Yeah, it doesn't look great, Ellen, I'll be honest. Uh, so 
you know, we started in 2016 just as a bunch of regular folks trying to become more engaged in the civic process, the political process in Oklahoma. And for most of us, we had never done that. I had never been to the Capitol before our very first event. Uh, and that is certainly the case for most Oklahomans. So as I've gotten more into this and now work in this area full time, uh, you know, I, I live and breathe the data and it's not great for Oklahoma. Oklahoma is last in voter participation in the country. We're actually 51st. We were behind DC. Um, I think we might've been behind Puerto Rico as well. Um, oh, for the love of Pete's sake. <laughs> yeah. So that's not, oh not good news. And everyone wants to know two things, why yeah. and what can we do about it? Uh, and so I think, you know, it's, it is incumbent on, on our organization to do what we can to help foster a culture of civic engagement. And I think a big piece of that is helping people believe that there is hope, that there's a chance mm -hmm. for us to change things, to make Oklahoma a more representative, um, you know, a more, um, um, I don't say compassionate democracy, but just to get our government to be more representative of the values of most Oklahomans. And a key piece of that is making sure that most Oklahomans share their voice and they actually do vote. So, you know, someone who loves to vote, you know, it's like one of my passions, you know, and I talk to people and I assume everyone around me is voting too. But statistically, what is like kind of the voter breakdown here? Sure. So uh, our numbers are, are pretty easy in Oklahoma, four, three, two, one. There's roughly 4 million Oklahomans, 3 million of them are eligible to vote. Only 2 million are actually registered and only 1 million actually show up, right? So um, in, to kind of put that in perspective, roughly one out of every three Oklahomans who are eligible to vote are not registered. That's, that's, that's low. It is low. Uh, you know, and, and even of those who are registered, only half or a little bit less than half show up. Um, it varies from election to election. So certainly, you know, this year in 2022, when it's a midterm non-presidential election and the governor is up for re-election, um, that's like the lowest turnout likelihood of for general elections. Obviously, we just saw this week that 200,000. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, turnout in a primary runoff. Of the is, 1 million that typically vote? Yeah. Yeah. That, that is astounding. I did not realize those numbers. It's quite depressing. Mm -hmm. I mean, because when you, you always hear we have low voter turnout, but then when you hear the numbers, and I, like I wrote them down and see the numbers, that is huge. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people say, when you ask them, why don't they vote? They say, yeah. why, can you tell me that my vote actually matters? And, you know, my first thought is like, well, if you don't vote, then no, definitely not. It doesn't <laughs> count at all. Yeah. Um, but, you know, people think, oh, well, my side lost, so my vote doesn't count. And that's not the case, right? Like, and even with the these elections like this year, so the, the governor's election, the gubernatorial election, on average, over the last 50 years, the margin of victory has been only about 150,000 votes, which isn't that many, really, when you think about it. Oh. And when you see how much potential there is for more people to turn out, right? Like, we've yeah. got... You know, a million folks are registered that don't vote, and then another million who aren't registered yet. Well, there's an enormous amount of potential for us to move the needle and to make Oklahoma a, a more representative and more competitive state. 
Yeah, when you think about it, two million are registered and only half of them vote. A million people that don't vote. It, it does show a lot of my mind. Yeah, a lot of potential. <laughs> we actually were talking internally before you got on. So if we know people who need to register to vote, can they just go online and do that? Uh, I mean, yes and no. Um, they they can do that, but that's only half of the process. So Oklahoma, by law, authorizes online voter registration, but the process hasn't been fully implemented yet in our state. So you can go online and register, but that really just fills out the form, and then you have to print it and still mail it in. So it's, at the end of the day, you have to mail in a paper form one way or another. Hmm. Okay, so... Let's talk about barriers. And that's one barrier right there. If I could, if I don't have a printer, I can't print my form. If I don't have the internet, I can't get on there to register. Um, are there places, I know here at OEA, we always have registration forms that everybody can come and get, but are there other places, is there anything that by, I don't know, by law that says, yes, you have to provide voter registration forms? Do you? Does it, is there like prepaid stamp that goes with it or you got your own stamp on it? And so, so I'm um, just looking at all these barriers yeah. that we have. Yeah, I mean, the good news is you can go to any tag agency and register right there and they'll mail it for you. So oh. that's one option. Okay. And that's where most people do it. When you renew your driver's yeah. license, they should ask you, but the forms are usually sitting there. Yeah. So that's a great, op- a great way to do it. And you can, you don't have to get your driver's license. You could just go in and say, I just oh. want to vote a reg form and fill it out and give it to them. That's an option. Um, you can always go to your county election board and fill one out there. Um, you probably need to Google where that is. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> uh, but that's an option. There's someone there. There's fully staffed by you know state employees or county employees. Uh, and then most public libraries also have forms. And I know this is a big focus they have right now is to be a resource for for like voter registration and that kind of thing. Uh, and then if you are aware of any organization like OEA, like Let's Fix This, a bunch of others, um, if you happen to follow them on social media, you might just ask if they mm-hmm. have a. So if you don't have a printer, like I, I keep a stack of forms in my car because mm-hmm. I'm that kind of guy. Uh, and so the other day I asked my neighbor, we're outside talking about lawn stuff. And I said, hey, this is weird, but are you registered to vote? And he's like, oh, I, you know, I need to update it since I moved here. And I was like, hang on. And I quickly <laughs> opened my trunk and gave him a form. And I was like, if you give it back to me, I'll mail it in for you. So even if you move, you still have to fill out another one? Yeah. So if you, the way it is now, if you move within the same county, you can update that online. Online. Okay. But if you move from, you know, Norman to Oklahoma City yeah. or anything out outside of the county, you have to fill out a new paper form. Gotcha. I didn't know that part. Mm-hmm. I didn't, but you can do absentee online. You mm-hmm. can do all of those. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. They've come a long way with the, the voter portal on the election mm-hmm. board website. It really is nice. Mm-hmm. But, it is nice. You know, yeah. like most government websites, it's a little more confusing than I would like. Yeah. Uh, and certainly the lack of true online voter reg is disappointing. So there's, you know, a lot of groups like us that are trying to help people around that. So if you go to our website, let's fix this.org, you can register to vote. You still have to print it off. But if you forget, I will get notified that you filled it out and I will mail you the form mm-hmm. with a stamp and with an envelope. Prepaid stamp. Yeah. Just to, envelope, yeah. we'll help, you know, make this process as quote automated as we mm-hmm. can until that day, hopefully soon, where the state does it themselves. Yeah. So we can get people registered. How do we get them to the polls? 
Yeah. That's the big. Right. Well, everyone gets a free bird scooter. No, I'm just <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, I think one important, important date to note for listeners is that if you want to register in order yeah. to vote in November, you have to register by October 14th. Your mm-hmm. form has to be received yeah. by October 14th. Um, so that's not that much that yeah. long, right? And that's because they need time to process those and mail you your voter ID card and all right. of that. Uh, and that is a statutory deadline. Um, and then when you go to vote, you have a few options. You can vote absentee. You can vote by mail. Mm-hmm. Um, you can sign up for that online. That's a great way. Yeah. Um, I am registered absentee. I usually vote in person, but I like getting my ballot in advance because it's a good reminder and it gives me more time to look at the ballot and read through the races and like research candidates yeah. if I don't know much about them. So that's a real... So, okay. So that's always a misconfusion there that if you... You registered to get absentee ballot. You get your absentee ballot, but then you said you always go to vote in person. So mm-hmm. do you take your ballot with you? No, no, what do don't, you do? yeah, don't take don't, it with don't you. Don't take your with it. Okay. It's a, lo- it's a crime to bring another ballot into a polling oh, place. So don't, don't take it with you. <laughs> yeah, so leave it on your fridge or you know on your table. Um, and then when you go vote in person, whether you vote early or on election day, you just, when you check in, It'll say received absentee ballot, and they will ask you, "Well, well, did you did you mail this in?" No, I didn't. It's at home. I chose to vote in person instead, and so they have you sign. Yeah, you sign another little book that says, "I didn't mail it in." I promise, and then you check in and you get your ballot like usual. Yeah, gotcha. So, um, as far as registration goes, I think September is national. Is there a national registration to vote day? September 20th is national voter registration day this year. And there's going to be a bunch of organizations around the state doing voter registration activities. Um, us included, we're working with a pretty large partnership of, of groups that are all nonpartisan, just trying to promote voting, right? Like this is a it's funny to say that voting is a nonpartisan activity, right? It doesn't matter your party affiliation. We want you to go vote. And uh, and so we'll have some exciting events. There's going to be big stuff going on in Oklahoma City, I know, at Scissortail Park. Um, we're going to be at the Wheeler Ferris Wheel in the evening um, doing a, a watch party of an episode of The West Wing. Oh, fun. <laughs> it's always fun. Um, and uh, it'll be kind of an outdoor, you know, fun event uh, just as a celebration of civic engagement and, yeah. and, and voting. So um, there'll be lots of things there. Um, uh, listeners can go to okvotes.org. Um, that is kind of our central hub for a bunch of organizations working on voter registration and, and get out the vote. So you can go there and there's a calendar with all the events. So if you want to volunteer with someone to help do voter reg at, you know, at a park or at an organization, um, there's, you know, opportunities there you can click on. Uh, and then if you just want to see events that are coming up, that's a good way too. So yeah. Okay. Okay. Votes.org. Awesome. Well, I, you know, part of our role as OEA is just educating our, you know, members on the importance of voting. And I think we might be surprised at the number of our own members who may not be yeah. registered. Yeah. So maybe our step one is Register voters. Yeah, I always love. Uh, we have one member, Lawrence Lane, in Chicago, Oklahoma, and he teaches high school history. 
And when his students, what is it like 17 and a half, they can register, but especially if they turn 18 in his class, he will, that's what he gives them for their birthday is to register to vote. And he helps them get registered. Well, that's really fun. Yeah. 17 and a half, you can pre-register. Sure, yeah. um, and uh, a few weeks ago, we were doing a voter registration event at the Sunny Days Mural Festival in Edmond, which I didn't even know was an event. I but did it was not either. Really exciting. It was really hot, but it was really exciting. <laughs> And I met, uh, I just went to all the vendor tents there. We had a, a, you know, a tent doing voter reg, but I went around all the vendors and asked them. And at one of the tents, um, there was a, a young woman who was going to turn 18 in two weeks. So I guess she's probably 18 now. And I said, oh, well, here's a form. And her mom and her sister were both there who are older and, and registered to vote. And so it was a really fun to have this conversation with the three of them about what voting means to them and helping like answer questions and encourage her to go. And I said, okay, well, you're going to get a card in the mail and talk through the mm -hmm. process. And she said, where do I vote? I said, well, there's a polling place near you. And I bet your mom or your sister will make sure you get there. <laughs> this was my chance to like rope them in to be yeah. like, you were accountable for yeah, this person. Absolutely. So, yeah. uh, but they all seemed really excited. Yeah. And I think it, you know, it, it's just funny to see people respond. Like you said, Ellen, when you are excited about voting, mm -hmm. because politics these days is really demoralizing right and just feels gross and i understand people who are like you know what this whole thing sucks i'm out like i'm not even going to do it but you know choosing to to step out and to not engage in that process is allowing someone else to engage for you yeah. and that person may not agree with you on things like public education right so we if we all actually turned out we would you know, speak with one voice about the direction we want our state to go in such a powerful way. And it, the, as I said earlier, like the threshold is not that high. Like we could really shift the narrative of an election and what a important election to do it like this year that yeah. we could do it with just, just by showing up to vote in November. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That math is easy. Four, three, two, yeah. one yeah. and mm -hmm. 2 million. We have a 2 million potential non-voters, yeah. non-registered yep. to ask, to engage that gives me hope me too yeah yeah you know if you want some other numbers just because i'm a nerd and i'm here um i was looking and there's roughly a hundred and eighty thousand women ages 18 to 34 who are not registered and you know i said earlier the average margin of victory in the hundred thousand the hundred thousand yeah. yeah is like ringing in my brain here. so like when you think oh you know a million two million is a lot of people it's like mm -hmm. yeah but just think like even if we only spoke to young women, right, across the state, there's enough potential in that group right there. to change the direction of our state, yeah. uh, to say nothing about women that are older or men or anything. Uh, and it was like, oh, you know, of any audience to me that like yeah. deserves to have a bigger voice, yeah. young women is certainly Absolutely. it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, and just um, one of the things I had meant to ask you was on this primary or primary runoff, just the kind of you did a breakdown of the state superintendent race. Yeah, yeah, I posted on social media after the election um, because there was I saw a lot of sentiment of just like, what's wrong with the voters in this state? Why do you know blah blah blah, uh, all the usual complaints. And I, I knew I was like, well, it's not most voters. Probably most people didn't vote. And so I went online and looked at the results, and that's the case, right? So, um, you know, most voters didn't, and it was it was a statewide primary runoff, which meant everybody, mm -hmm. regardless of, well, all Republicans and Democrats and independents were vote. Libertarians, I don't think, had 
the opportunity to mm. vote in the, in the runoff. There's only about 20,000 of them, but um, to them, they still got to miss out, which is, yeah. that's not the another demo- discussion for another that's right, day, yeah. right? That's yeah. not the representative democracy yeah. I thought we lived in, but um, for Republicans, Democrats, and independents, you had the opportunity to vote and among Republicans, because that's where most of the runoffs were, most notably, right, mm-hmm. with uh, Ryan Walters and April Grace in that in that state superintendent race, um, you know, only about thirty percent of registered Republicans, right? So Republicans make up a little bit more than half of all registered voters, but only like a third of those actually turned out. So uh, Ryan Walters won by a you know margin of twenty thousand votes, mm-hmm. which isn't that much. But only like 16% of all Republicans voted for him. And that means that's like one thirty-second of the whole state. And it was like, right. oh, this is a very tiny... Tiny, mm-hmm. tiny yeah, sampling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so that's... If you had a room full of 100 people and you ask, you know, eight of them, what kind of pizza do you want for the whole group? They might not... If you're one of the other 92 people they may not get the kind of pizza you want. What if all eight of them were, you know, vegetarian and you like meat pizza or the reverse? Like suddenly it's a a very uh, skewed result that you have to live with. And Mm -hmm. that's what happens when Mm -hmm. only a few people vote. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for that breakdown. Thank you for all of So enlightening. (laughs) And um, we will post a lot of those links on our social media so that um, our listeners can check those out and get engaged and vote this year. Super. Thanks so much for having me. Well, let's just take some time and catch up with Catherine. You know, Ellen, last year we did a lot of work around um, certification assessments for our educators, for our teachers, pre-service, teachers, alternative certs, all, you know, the gamut. And, you know, last year we did the general knowledge test, OGAT, and the the subject area test, the OSAT. Um, but luckily, through great work, we were mm-hmm. able to get rid of, take one thing off teacher's plates with the OGET. We don't have to take that, but we still have to take subject area tests, which is great. We That's important. And, but we had such great participation in the support that we were able to give teachers last year with our OSET test. And those are back. They're awesome. back. And we're going to have, it's on our website and uh, go to okea.org, OSET. And you can find out information, but we have study sessions during September, October, and if you're an OEA member, and anybody can participate in those, and they're done by professors at Northeastern State University, and if you are a member, you can register for a code. You can get up to two codes. It takes automatically half, $60 off your test. You don't have to upfront it. It just, it's a code that you get, and we've worked with OEQA to get that code. And, and we want to help uh, take the burden off of people and that and because tests are expensive. Mm-hmm. They have to do that. And so and I will tell you, just being out in the field with educators, this is a member benefit that yeah. just speaks volume to us understanding yeah. what our educators need. Yeah. So, so if you're an OAEA member, aspiring ed member, you're in the College of Education now. Uh, you can qualify for that one of those codes. We call that our pre-service teachers. If you're alternative cert, check this out because you, you're having to take a lot of tests. Even if you say you went back, you got your master's in counseling and you need to take an OSAP for counseling, 
get it there. Or if you're moving subject areas, do that as well. I know we talked a lot today about voting. I just want to remind people, October 14th, is the last day to register to vote. We have got to get people, uh, Andy Moore's numbers, to know that we have a million people out there that are not even registered to vote. We need to get that. Yep. And um, September 20th is natural, National Register to Vote Day. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm just going to call it that. And so um, we, it is time to make our voices heard, and we have to be going to the polls in order to do that and not let there be a void. Yep. And we have to ask our neighbors. Yes. You know, we have to yeah. talk to everybody. It yeah. just it's it is as Andy said, it is yeah. not political. No. Voting is something that we should all do. Yeah. And so asking people if they're registered, getting them registered, that's our civic duty. I think we lost sight that but I always look at voting as a privilege. Mm-hmm. I I get the privilege to vote. And I am never going to give that privilege away. Yeah. And so do that. So, Ellen, busy week. Busy week. So yeah. I'm hopefully ready. this weekend you can kind of rest, relax, rejuvenate, be with your boys, be with your husband. Yes. Have we, do fun things. That's what I'm hoping we do. I hope you do too, Catherine. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> and we are so thankful for Ivy and Andy for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Bride Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Ellen Pogamiller with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at friedokrapodcast at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.